summer series, uh, the storm chasers, and uh, of course it's not been talking about atmospheric storms, but the storms that come into each one of our lives at some point or other, and uh, how when we learn to put our trust in God, it doesn't mean that we don't go through these storms, it means that he walks through them with us, and for that we're very thankful. But today we're taking a turn a little bit to uh, speak about a different kind of storm that's brewing, I believe, right now on the horizon. And uh, before I go any further, I want you to know that if I say something, I'm looking right at you. It's not because I see you, because I can't see you here. Um, the, uh, when I was growing up, we learned that Jesus was coming soon. And we believed that he was coming soon, that his coming was imminent. And uh, in church, we sang hymns. And don't any of you get excited. I'm not going to be standing up here saying hymns are better than choruses or something. But hymns were full of theology. And so not only did we hear sermons, we sang, sang hymns that, that had great truth in them. And I grew up listening to songs like, uh, when the trumpet of the Lord will sound and time will be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair and the saved on earth will gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. And some of you younger ones might be saying, what's a roll? But when I went to school, the teacher had a roll. They probably call it a register or tenant's record now, but we had a roll call. And all the names were called of the students, and we said present if we were there. We got to be teenagers. We got to be able to say here instead of present. It was so much more liberating. And, uh, <laughs> but we knew what it meant when it said the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. And I came to know Jesus at a fairly young age as a teenager, 14. And I knew when I sang that, I knew what that meant. And I knew I could say with conviction, when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there. It was a wonderful assurance that I had, even at a young age. And uh, we sang, some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles all won, storms all gone. We'll shout the victory, he'll shout the victory, break through the blue, some golden daybreak for you and me, for me and you. Um, and then we got into some choruses of uh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see, when I, he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. And it had such truth in it. There will be no sorrow there, no more burdens to share, to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, no more heartache over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. I think that we sang a lot of those songs, and we heard a lot of sermons about Jesus coming soon, and we were looking forward to it because a lot of the people had come through very difficult times. They had seen, they had come through the Depression, the Great Depression. They had come through world wars, and to them, there was a hope that Jesus was going to come and that there was something better on ahead. And I said before that I, I don't know all of what heaven is going to be like, uh, the Bible tells me that I has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And uh, just listening to some of your testimonies about Burundi and thinking about those people with nothing, 
except that they've heard about Jesus. And you're wanting to go back and tell them again. And you know what? In, in, the, last, in, the, 19, in the 20th century, there was great missionary activity because people knew that Jesus was coming. And the reason they were going was to make sure that those in the far corners of the earth would hear about him, that he was coming again, and that there was a way that they could spend eternity. And they tell them about Jesus. And so it's wonderful that people are going and telling about Jesus. I'm sure that they accept that word very, very quickly because they are not living like we are. And I think that the reason we don't hear as much about it in North America is because of the fact we, we have so much and we're not looking for Christ to come and bail us out, that things are pretty good, they've been pretty good. That's turning, that's changing. But we've had it really well and I think that many of us have got so that we have begun to hold on so tightly to the things of this world that we're not wanting to let it go. We want to go to heaven when we die, but we don't even want to hear about death. And so we've got a, a generation that's growing up in, in good conditions and not anxious for the Lord to come. And we love being in our, our churches and we, we like singing and thanking Jesus and praising him and so on. But many of us, if we were honest, are not looking forward to the fact that Jesus is coming again and that he could come right away. And it's never good to hold tight to the things of this world. Uh, because someday, and someday soon, I believe, he's coming again. Um, so we're looking at a different kind of storm today. Uh, a storm that's unparalleled in all of human history. A magnitude and intensity that none of us have ever known. It, it's a time, seven-year period, that just precedes the time when Jesus actually physically comes to earth. And in the Bible, it's called by many names, but it's known as... The Great Tribulation, it's known as the Day of the Lord, the time of Jacob's trouble, because it has a great deal to do with the Jewish nation. And it will be seven years preceding Christ's return. Um, I want to give you a little idea from Scripture about what that means. I'm looking at Matthew 24, and although I'm not going to be going through uh, a, a great portion of it. I'm going to pick out pieces here and there, little verses here and there to share with you. And uh, I suggest, I've been known before to give homework assignments, and I suggest that you go home and read all of Matthew 24 and just see what it says. But one of the verses that I would point out, and I think they've got it for the overhead, and that is that in verse 27, for as the lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, he's coming. He's coming. And we need to know what is going to take place uh, just before he comes back to this earth. We know he's coming because he said he would come again. When he was talking to his disciples and they were getting concerned at his beginning to talk about the fact that he was going to be leaving them, and they were disturbed, and he, he said uh, the words that most of you have maybe heard or memorized, recorded in John 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. I still like it when it said there are many mansions. I never figured I was going to get one till I got there. Now the translations have said dwelling places or rooms. But if it's a room, I've decided what a room it's going to be. 
And uh, I, my house that I have could fit in some other houses three times over, so I don't mind a room. But he's going to come back uh, again, and so he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So he has gone away right now, but what he's doing there is he's gone to prepare a place for us so that one day we can come, go to be with him where he is. And um, we're to comfort one another with those words. Not be afraid of them. We're to comfort one another with those words. And, uh, and angels said that he was going to come again. Or he was going to come again. When he spoke to the disciples on the Mount of Olives, they went, I was thinking again of the Burundi team and the Philippine team when they were going away and people went to the airport to see them off. Well, the disciples went to the airport, so to speak, uh, because he was going back in the air, and uh, they wanted to go and see Jesus off, and they watched him as he was taken up from before them into heaven, and uh, they were just amazed at what they were seeing. It was sort of like you know, straight like a helicopter going straight up without the helicopter, and uh, the, they were just amazed. And as Jesus was taken into the clouds of the air, the um, two angels appeared to them said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that's been taken from you to heaven will so come in like manner as you have seen him go. And you can count on that. The prophets foretold it. The apostles taught it, that he's coming again. All through the scripture, there's more written about the fact Jesus is coming again the second time than when he came the first time. And so it's, it's all through scripture and so Jesus tried to comfort them and said, I'm coming again, I'm coming again. But then we learn that before he comes, there's this period of seven years. And it's a, it's a, it's a terrible, terrible time on the earth. What's going to happen during that time? Well, it's going to start off with the rise of a person that we know as the Antichrist. There's other words for him, too. Uh, names for him, but we most of us, I think, have heard about the Antichrist. He's called that because he's completely opposite to everything Jesus is and says everything opposite to what Jesus would say. And he will be a charismatic personality who will receive his power from Satan himself, and he'll go out and deceive the nations of this world into believing he has the answer to all of the world's troubles. He'll establish a European type of, of union, perhaps part of what is existing today because it will be, uh, there will be ten nations involved in it. And uh, he will be able to do what none of the last presidents and secretaries of state and so on have tried to do. He'll be able to negotiate a peace treaty between Israel and the nations of the Middle East. And he'll be successful in doing that. And the world will feel that they are finally going to see peace. Uh, finally, peace on earth. I don't know what the terms of that treaty are going to be, but I do know that Israel will be permitted to rebuild her beloved temple, which was destroyed in 70 AD, and they'll have freedom once again to take part in their ancient practices of worship. But after three and a half years, just when Israel and the rest of the world begin to relax and, and, and enjoy this newfound peace, the Antichrist will break the treaty and set himself up in the temple to be worshipped, aided by a world religious system and its leader known as the false prophet. And then the wrath of God will be unleashed. And according to 
the Old Testament prophecies, uh, it will be a, a time that you would not want anybody to be there, and you wouldn't want to be there. If you think perhaps that the idea of one leader is not believable, I know growing up I had a keen interest in prophecy, and there was many things that I couldn't understand that I understand today. There are many things that just didn't compute with me, how, how the Antichrist, for example, the, the people are going to have to take a, a mark. We've heard the number 666, and you can't buy or sell, and, and you can't do anything without this mark. And, and when I was growing up, credit cards were just coming into being. And people got really concerned, Christians got really concerned that credit cards were the, the thing that were going to have the mark of the beast on them. Whereas now the technology of our time is so much more advanced and we hear about, um, you know, just the smallest microchips that can be placed into somebody's hand. We place them in dogs and cats so that they don't stray and get lost. Uh, the technology of today, is, it makes it so much easier when you read these prophecies and so on to understand how we could be so ready. I don't believe that there's anything in prophecy from my studies, and I've studied this for a good number of years. I don't believe there's anything in prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled before Jesus comes again. We're told that there are signs. Jesus said there's going to be signs that are going to be out there. I was traveling down the highway the other day, and I thought about that because you, you look at the highway and you see uh, signs. I was going to the mountains. I haven't been there for 10 years. And so they've put a whole new bypass at Calgary. And I mean, I was just, you know, really conscious of what the signs were so I didn't miss it, uh, so I could get where I was going. And, and Jesus says that there's going to be signs of the time. We don't know the day or the hour, the Bible tells us. Jesus said that. Only the Father knows. And, uh, but he said that there will be signs so we can become aware and we need to look at these signs. Um, what are some of the signs that are out there for us to see. Well, one of them is the nation of Israel. That's a, that's a very important sign because every day when we look at our TV and listen to the news and so on, we hear Israel in the news. But do you know that Israel, uh, for 1,900 years, the people of Israel was scattered amongst the people of the earth. They lost uh, their land, uh, their rights, They've been persecuted. One-third of the Jewish people were persecuted in Nazi concentration camps and death ovens. Uh, they've been persecuted no matter where they've been on the earth. And uh, they were scattered, but God had made them a covenant. And that someday we look at Scripture and we say, how is this going to be fulfilled that in the end they will be back in their land, their ancient land? And through miracles that happened at the end of the World War II, uh, the Israel, Israelis found themselves back in the land of Israel given to them by the United Nations with the right of being a nation. Uh, of, they can teach their uh, ancient English, Hebrew language and they are uh, settled in their land. And that's a sign that's been fulfilled that God would bring them back again to their land. Uh, it is a miracle. That in itself is such a sign. It's a great miracle because... There's no other ancient people that you'll ever hear about. I mean, when's the last time you went to work with an Amalekite? Or when do your kids find that the bullies at school are Philistines? Or are there Edomites that you've 
got for mayor of your city. Uh, it's not possible that 1,900 years passed, and yet Israel is back in their land, and not all of it that they'll have someday, but they're back in their land, and they're hated by the people of the Middle East. They're hated. Uh, right now, the crazy man in Iran, I won't try his name because as much as I practice it, I'll get it wrong. Uh, he, he is just, he's, he's absolutely crazy and he hates Israel. And he's t said that he, uh, with his na nuclear capabilities, he just want to blast them off the face of the earth. And, uh, and he's crazy enough to do it. So we've got, Israel is a sign. Uh, there are signs, there are other signs that we see that are coming. And uh, part of it is what we're seeing, I believe, right now. Not that we haven't had difficult times before, but the, the financial chaos that's going on in the world right now, uh, it's, it's not good. And, and in, you'll read in Matthew 24 where Jesus talks about that there's some of the signs that are going to be. There's going to be uh, earthquakes and famines and wars and rumors of wars. And, uh, and haven't we always had wars? Yes, but not to the magnitude of the ones that we've seen in the last uh, century the world wars. In two world wars, there was some uh, 60 to 100,000 deaths that occurred in those two world wars. And then it involved so many more countries of, of the world. And then after that, there was uh, the Korean conflict, and there was the Vietnam War, and there was Herzegovina and, and Bosnia. And there was... Uh, Afghanistan now, and there was the desert storm and Iraq, and it's just constant. There's wars and rumors of wars, and there's just such a thirst for peace on this earth that this man who's going to be raised up is going to seem to be the answer to all of them. Like I said, if you don't think it's possible, I never thought that it was possible. We were always so patriotic about our own countries and so on, and I thought that it was impossible for someone to come and just be a world leader and that people would be so duped into that. But uh, I have a quote here, if I can find it. If not, I'll wait and get to it near the end. But it was a, a quote. Good one, Marilyn. Don't get worried about all these sheets I've got. I'm not going to read them all. But I'm going to wait until I can actually read it because I want to give you a quote as to what somebody has said. Um, here we are. Paul Henri Spack, the first president of the UN General Assembly, first president of the European Parliament, and one-time secretary general of NATO is credited with making the following statement. We do not want another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us up out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and whether he be God or devil, we will receive him. Doesn't that just bring chills up your spine? That that is something that could be said? That there, Jesus said that there would be famines. Has there been famine? Yes, but the magnitude of the famine in this earth, I know you all see these on TV, the, the pictures of emaciated bodies and so on, of of starving children, and, and, and it's a terrible thing, and all over the world it seems to be happening in the, in the third world countries, and the, the, the statistics are staggering as to how many people this is affecting, 
And the problem is that even scientists say we don't know how this world can go on in the way it is because we can't sustain uh, feeding all these people and so on. And, uh, and so there's tremendous famines all over the world. And there's earthquakes. Uh, the Bible says there's going to be earthquakes in various places. I don't remember growing up hearing about earthquakes. I'm sure there was some here and there. We've all sat glued to our TVs when uh, the earthquake hit Haiti, and we saw the devastation that was there, the magnitude of that earthquake, and the damage that was done. Uh, we watched our TVs, and, and it's amazing with technology how we can see these things just as they happen. And, and that's another sign because of an increase in knowledge that will come at the end. And the increase in technology today is, is staggering. You can't keep up with it. But we saw the tsunami in Indonesia where some 250,000 people died. And we, we saw it as, almost as it was happening. And that was an earthquake in, under the Indian Ocean. And so there's earthquakes. I, I looked up some stats this past week, and in a seven-day period uh, ending last Monday, there was 176 earthquakes recorded around this world. And a great many of them were over 5 point, up to 6.3, I believe, in, in magnitude. And it, it's unheard of. There are, there are all sorts of things that are causing men's hearts to fail them for fear of the things that are to come. Well, we look at these and we, we, look, we say, where is this world going to end? Well, that's why we're here this morning. I'm going to let you know that that uh, also in, in Jesus talking to his disciples in Matthew 24, he tells them that it's, it's going to be as it is in the day of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah. And Pastor Allen preached on that, I believe, in the second of this series, the wickedness that was on the earth at that time. And I don't know why people are enamored by the things of this world, because when I see the things that are happening in the world today, uh, there's, there's great wickedness. It's the only word that I could use for it. Uh, watch any day. Listen about the shootings the other day again at the Empire State Building, the shootings in that movie house. Uh, but, but really wicked things, like, like reading about fathers who prison, imprisoning their children and using them just to satisfy their sexual perversions, or a mother killing two of her children because her boyfriend didn't want to get into a relationship where uh, there was children involved. This is not natural. This, this is satanic. And it's, it's, it's not isolated. We're finding it every day on the news. It's just like you don't want to listen to the news anymore because of all these things. And in the days of Noah, God came and he said, it's enough. And there's coming a day, and I believe very soon, where he is going to say again, enough is enough. And, and the events of this end time are going to unfold, and Jesus is going to come back again. And, uh, and so those of you that were in Burundi and in the Philippines and so on, uh, good on you for going. But everybody out here can't go, but you've got neighbors and you've got family members and so on who need to hear about Jesus. And, uh, and you need to sense, have a sense of urgency about this technology. I was listening to uh, somebody speak the other day about something I'd never even heard of, couldn't even imagine. Uh, have you heard about weapon, weather weaponry? Weapon, 
what's the, what do they call it, war, wartime, like it's a wartime weather war, you know? And I thought, what is that? And science, scientists are experimenting with controlling the weather to the extent that uh, it will help them in wartime. I understand that it was tested during Vietnam. They, they were trying to seed the clouds and so on in, in a way that they could bring more rain so that, you know, what it was like what you saw in Vietnam so they can make it so impossible for their, their enemies uh, to come. That was the U.S. that was doing that. They were experimenting. It wasn't warfare, but I understand that Beijing at the, at the Olympics, on their opening day, there was nothing but sunshine, and that's because they literally blasted the clouds out of the air. And these things we think, oh, that's, we could have beach weather all the time. That sounds good. But imagine, I mean, don't we have enough desert land where there's nothing growing and people dying of hunger? Don't we have enough uh, of, of things that, that are, are hurting us without this? But the worst part about it is, is that there's, these things are being tested. The um, former Secretary of State of the United States, of, of Defense, William Cohen, in a conference on counterterrorism in April 1997, said this. Others, and he's talking about terrorists, others are engaging even in an ecotype of terrorism whereby they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes, remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves. So there are plenty of ingenious minds out there that are at work finding ways in which they can wreak terror upon other nations. It's real, and that's why we have to intensify our counterterrorism efforts. Have you ever heard of such a thing? This is wicked. It's like the Tower of Babel, where men began to try and build up to a point where they could reach up to God and they could become gods. We're fooling with things that we have not, no business fooling with. And I believe that because this is happening right in the day and age in which we live, we are seeing the signs leading up to the end times. This Antichrist is going to take his orders from the devil. And we know that the devil is the father of lies, and so he breaks this treaty. And as I said, like all hell is going to break loose at that point. And uh, there are many portions of scripture that talk about what's going to happen. If you read through, I mean, Paul writes about them, but in Revelation, uh, there's a, in Revelation 17, this is part of what it says. Uh, there came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake the great city split in three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her a cup filled with the wine of her fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about 100 pounds each fell upon men, and they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so bad. It's hard to believe that this is the judgment that is coming on this earth. It's, uh, it's time to take this seriously. It's time to understand that we've got neighbors and friends who don't know Jesus 
And if they don't know him, this is the type of thing that they could be going through. You say, I'm looking at the clock. Because God's clock is almost at the midnight hour. The, um, the terrible things that are going to come on the earth. And just as it looks as though there will be no, no flesh saved, the armies of the world are going to be gathering at a place called Armageddon. And there's going to be a battle there. They're going to battle against each other because they want to get rid of the Antichrist by this time. But just as that's about to happen, and this is going to all, they're just going to be killing each other and that, the sky is going to open, and Jesus is going to come back. And he's not coming as the gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He's going to come as a conqueror. And uh, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And we're to, yes. King of kings and Lord of lords. And he's coming. It's a for sure thing. And his feet are going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. The way he went, the angel said, he's coming back. And his feet are going to touch down on the Mount of Olives, and that mount is going to split in two. And uh, it's going to make a valley that will make a way for the Jewish people to escape the battle that's going to come. And the interesting thing is, folks, that years ago, seismologists were surveying the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. And they found a fault line that goes right through the middle of the Mount of Olives. And it goes right through the middle of the Mount of Olives exactly in the direction that the Bible says that it's going to be. And... It's no earthquake that's going to cause that mountain to split. It's the feet of Jesus as he touches down. And he is going to defeat the armies of Antichrist and the armies of the world. And he's going to usher in a new period of righteousness. And that's a whole other sermon or two. And some of you may be a little bit concerned and say, how can we be comforted by this when, Marilyn, we don't, if Jesus comes soon... Uh, I'd rather die before that happens. How could I take comfort from that if I've got to go through this tribulation? Well, I saved some good news for the end. There's one other thing that's to happen before the Antichrist comes into power. See, the Bible tells us that the coming of Jesus is sort of going to be two stages of reentry. He's going to come once in the air, the clouds of the air. And then he's going to come to earth after the tribulation time. But before that tribulation time, it's recorded in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. Uh, although the day and hour is unknown... But he says, brothers, Second, First Thessalonians 4. And looking down at, 
16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ. And get that, the dead in Christ, those that have died believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, those that are, have trusted in him that have died, the graves are going to open and they're going to be caught up together with those of us that are alive at that time and we're going to be caught up with those that the graves have opened in there and we're going to just go and meet the Lord in the air and the Bible says and so shall we ever be with the Lord so this is known it's a it's given the the term rapture and that you'll never find that in the Bible that term be it's a Latin comes from the Latin mean to be caught away and there are those that would debate that that's going to happen but I read too much in the scriptures that tell me that we are not appointed to wrath. And I believe from everything I study, if you want to debate it with me, you come down and I'm happy to talk to you after the service is over. And, and I mean that. But I believe that before this Antichrist comes, that the church has to be taken out of the, off of the earth because uh, that will take Christians away who might oppose and so on. And now the Antichrist would be free to come and, and dupe people into believing that he has the answers to everything because there's going to be chaos when people all of a sudden are taken from this earth. All the Christians all of a sudden leave. There's going to be chaos. And, uh, and my Bible tells me that Jesus himself is coming into the clouds of the sky and that it's going to happen in the twinkling, not even the blink of an eye. In the twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen so fast and those that have put their trust in Jesus are going to be caught up into the air to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we're to comfort one another with those words. And it's another sermon again to tell you what goes on in heaven during those next seven years. But uh, we know what's happening down on earth. And somebody once told me that why should this last generation of Christians be spared from judgment? And... Um, they said Christians have always had to go through persecution times, but listen to this. I mean, the Christians have gone for, for ages, and all the, the time that we know they've been persecuted, persecuted for their faith and so on. But that's man's judgment on man. That's not God's judgment against them. When God judged the world in Noah's time, he spared those that had put their trust in him and were obedient to him. When Lot heard that the cities were going to be of Sodom and Gomorrah were going to be uh, judged for the wickedness. Uh, he and his family were spared. And I read that, that, that this judgment is on, for the, the, to do away with the wickedness, to punish the wickedness going on in this world. But also there's an Israeli connection in there where the Jews are it's going to prepare the Jews for their Messiah when he comes so that when they see him coming in the clouds of the air at the end, that they will know him, they'll see him, and they'll mourn because they realize they pierced him. But the nation will be saved in a day. And these things are scriptural. They're to come. And before that, what is going on? It's, it's not good. I, the descriptions about what happens, what's happening. Second Timothy 3.1 says... There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Yes, they are. Lovers of money. 
the God of this age, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Parents, you can use that one later. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. In other words, teachers that will say what they want to hear, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. It's, it's coming. But God has not appointed us to wrath. That's not his desire. It's his, his desire that everybody should come to know Jesus. It's a desire that all of us here will one day go home to be with him in heaven. Whether it's at the rapture or whether through a cause of death, we're going to go home to be with him if you put your trust in Jesus. If you've believed in him for, the, uh, for salvation, for forgiveness of your sins, I want you to know that he is, he is going to spend eternity with you. You're going to spend eternity with him. And, uh, and that's why we take comfort. We don't take comfort because we have to go through a period of wrath and be purified. Somebody said to me once, too, that, you know, the bride, the church is called the bride of Christ. And the rapture is the bridegroom taking his bride home. And somebody told me, well, the church has to go through a purging time. How many of you ladies that have been married like the idea that, or would have liked the idea that on your wedding day, you had to be purged before you were good enough for the bridegroom. I want you to know that the church of Jesus is not going to go to heaven beaten and bloody uh, because the purging was done at the cross, and Jesus took care of that. And because of that, you and I can go to be with him dressed in the righteousness of Christ. All of that has been taken care of. And we're to watch and we're to be ready. What should we be doing? Well, we're to watch for his coming. We're to be vigilant that he's coming again. And we're to be living our lives in such a way that we will be found, you know, ready to see him, making every effort to be ready. Peter says you ought to live holy and godly lives. That's the kind of people you ought to be. Make every effort to be found blameless and at peace with him. Be on your guard so you may not be carried away by the error of lawless people and fall from your position. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in grace. He's coming again. He's coming again, and the kingdoms of this world, as I said, are going to become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he will reign on this world forever and ever in righteousness. And people, I want you to be there. We're going to close with a video. And I invite you, if you do not know Jesus this morning, I'm going to be down front here, and I invite you to come and talk to me. If you want to make sure that things are right between you and God, you say, Marilyn, are you trying to scare us? You bet I am. I want you to know that there is something ahead that you need to be scared for. And it's not a tactic. It's the truth of Scripture. And I want to give you opportunity this morning, if you want to come and just talk to me, maybe some of the elders or department head leaders, just stay around in your seats. And if anybody comes, you might be able to help them. 
And I invite you to do that this morning. Also, as you exit, you'll see there's a kiosk there with Alpha on the top. Alpha means beginnings. And we want you to, if, you, or if you're interested and you want to know more, we want you to come to Alpha. It's an 11-week course. We'll feed you supper. We'll show you a video that's about basic Christianity. And we won't embarrass you. We won't ask you to talk. Somebody said to me once, do I have to say anything? I said, no. If you don't want it, you don't have to say anything. But we just want you to know what it means to be a Christian. And, uh, and so I'm going to invite you to do that. We're going to watch a video first. And it's just for a couple of minutes. And then we're going to close.